Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had four kids in four years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope we can give you something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello and welcome to episode 23. This is Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we hope you all are having a nice life. (laughs) I was going to say night, but it might not be night when you're listening to this. Oh well. So, today, our real life parenting moment is sad. Yes. Please take a moment of silence with us. Oh yeah, this one made me, like I cried a lot with, with this one. So, here we go. This last, maybe it was like two weeks ago now, I was working at my computer and um, I made the horrible mistake of putting a cup of water next to my laptop and um, I was talking to Chloe and Nathan runs up with a little plastic basketball and launches it right at my computer and hits the cup and the cup it's full of water and it just washes over my keyboard on my laptop and I I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. I knew this was really bad and so I turned the computer up as fast as I could. I got a towel and I tried mopping it up and it started like blinking this folder on the screen and I knew I was losing it and I just like broke down like I was just stressing out about this because I made the horrible mistake also of not backing up our documents and pictures from this laptop. And I've learned a terrible lesson. Um, <laughs> important lesson, very hard, very hard lesson to learn. Um, so I'm texting Alan. I'm asking what we should do. You know, we're turning the computer upside down, letting the water drip out. Um, we call Apple, who is terrible to communicate with. I finally went in that night, and they told me they couldn't do anything, and they referred me to another company who is better at that type of thing. So I went there the next day, and they told me my laptop is shot. Like, there's just... It would be too expensive to fix it. It would be better just to get a new one. Um, But I just really wanted that data back. Like, that's what I really wanted. And so um, their lab, where they were, they they couldn't get any of the data. They said there was too much water damage. So they sent it to a company in New York and said that they were much better at that and hopefully that they would get it. And they still could not get the data off and... Our last option was to send it to another company in California, but they said it was going to cost anywhere from like a thousand to three thousand dollars to get the pictures and data off and stuff. So we called it quits there because I just I just couldn't spend that much money. But anyway, uh, long story short, my laptop is dead, and we lost all of our pictures, which included uh, when Jack was born. A bunch of his birth pictures are now gone. Whoops. Luckily, Alan um, had some pictures from on his phone that he had backed up um, from Jack's birth, so we do have some pictures. It's just not nearly the amount that we had in the last two years. So that was really frustrating. I cried all that day. I was just so sad. <laughs> um, but they're lost now, and now I learned always back up your pictures. Yes. We really wish he would have ruined my computer because everything's in the cloud. But not live mine. and learn. <laughs> live and learn. So if you have a little boy, um, prepare, or if you, 
will have a boy someday, prepare to lose a lot of technology. <laughs> Nathan has, I have a list going of all the things that he's broken. So the laptop is the most expensive. Um, he's also broken um, the iPad. He dropped it in the garage and the screen shattered. Uh, he broke the Apple remote. He threw it in the kitchen and it shattered, which is made of glass, which is dumb, but it's made of glass. Um, he also lost his own tablet. We just, we can't find it anywhere. We don't know where it is. And he's broken multiple DVDs trying to pull them out of the case to watch a movie. And, you know, he pulls them wrong and they, they crack. So we're keeping tally and we are going to take that out of his wedding fund. <laughs> he's the worst with technology. Just, it's a plague. <laughs> so that was our sad moment, but so real. So today we are going to talk about an article talks about how to make your small kids feel special. This is something that we've been talking a lot um, about lately. Um, I think as a whole, people are just busier. You know, there's a lot to do. And if you're running a business from home or side projects or whatever, there's just a lot going on. And people are working more. And we also have, because we have a larger family, sometimes it's hard to find time for each individual child. And, um, especially when we have a baby at home because the baby needs a lot of attention and, you know, you have to give it to them because they rely on you. And that sometimes takes away from the older kids because they want your attention, but they don't need it like a baby does. Mm -hmm. So the article, um, it says it's a worthwhile endeavor making your kids feel special. Helping your child feel loved and special apart from his siblings can mold his identity and set him up for a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem in the future. On the flip side, kids who don't feel that special attachment with their parents may act out later in life. And that's Dr. Laura Kaufman, PhD. So I think that's that's certainly true. We've tried, and we're going to get into this, but we've tried to spend um, some individual time with our kids, and especially with our actor-uppers. makes a huge difference if we can give them that devoted individual time, which is super hard, and you have to leave like three crying kids somewhere else in the house. Sometimes, usually not, but sometimes that's the decision you have to make. It's definitely still worth it. It doesn't have to be a lot of time. We'll get right into the the six tips that they give. Um, The first is to make eye contact. I think this is really important, especially with phones. It's so easy to, like, not really talk to your kids ever, right? Because you're on your phone and talking to your kid. And kids definitely compete with technology in their minds. And so you need to put that down and let them know. That you are talking to them. Yeah. Um, I remember a time where I was sitting on the couch and Kemi was talking to me about something and I was on my phone just kind of scrolling through Facebook. And so I was listening to her, but I was just kind of scrolling through my phone and she stopped. She goes, Mom, look at me. And I realized, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't even looking at her while she was talking to me. And not like, I guess I didn't feel like what she was saying was very important. But I think to them, everything that they say is important, you know, and... Everything that you're talking about, no matter how silly or little it is, they want your undivided attention. And we get it. It's hard because they always have something to say, right? (laughs) And so, you know, if you're doing this right, you should never be using your phone. And and that probably is the ideal is like just put your phone away when the kids are awake and around. But we know none of us are perfect and it's hard to focus on little people all day, every day. But um, I think that is the ideal. A tip to do when you're talking to them so that they know that you're listening 
to them besides the eye contact is to ask them a question or two about, you know, their, your conversation. So that way they know that you're, you're present, you're interacting with them. So number two is spend some uninterrupted time with each child each day. This is something that we learned recently on the Positive Parenting Solutions, which is a guide for parents to help your kids behave uh, better at home. And she suggests to do 10 minutes every day with a kid twice a day. Uh And so I think that's easier with, you know, if you have one parent doing 10 minutes and the other parent doing 10 minutes, Um, or even just once a day, the simple 10 minutes. But we started doing that and we have found that it's really helped our kids, like Alan said, especially the kids who crave more attention. Yeah. So some of the keys with that is it has to be consistent. It can't can't feel like it's a reaction to something. So there's a temptation to just do it when your kid's having a bad day or something, but that actually trains them to have bad days. So you need to do it all the time. Um, And you can keep it to 10 minutes. We set timers and say, these are your 10 minutes. What do you want to do with them? And then when the timer goes off, you wrap it up and give them a hug and say you love them, and that's it. Just because if you're going to do it every day, you can't have them getting into this habit of stretching out the time longer and longer. So set the hard deadline of 10 minutes. Let them know that those 10 minutes are theirs. And then really let them be theirs. They get to pick what you do. You get no vote. You just participate in whatever they want to do. Absolutely no phones. And I think it's really good for both parent and uh, kid. Because there's sometimes... You'll have days or weeks where you're just like, what were we thinking? Like, kids are tough. <laughs> um, but when you spend that one-on-one time with one kid, it's surprising how well-behaved they are and how much fun they are. I think it is proof that a lot of bad behavior on the part of our kids is just the way we're parenting and just some of the realities of life that they have siblings and whatever. Um, if you can just get that kid in their zone doing what they want to do just one-on-one, kids are fun and good and cute and all of those things. So I think it's good as a parent to remember um, why you love your kids and, and why you're doing this. And I love that it's only 10 minutes because then it doesn't seem so daunting as a parent. You can go, okay, I can do 10 minutes of playing Shopkins with my kids or mm-hmm. or building Legos or whatever it is. And if, if that's something that you don't love to do, like 10 minutes, I feel like I can do that. Yep, yep. I can dress up like a princess for 10 minutes. <laughs> and he has. I have pictures proof. It's truth. <laughs> or she did before she fried her laptop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too soon. I think Too I, soon. that one was from my phone. Third tip is ask caring questions. And this has to go beyond how is school, right? You need to dig into it. What were they doing that day? Try and know what they were doing so you can ask, how was the spelling test? What was your you know, favorite TV show? What did you learn in that? art class or whatever it is. Know what they're doing and ask informed and caring questions. All of this is, I mean, this is kind of like really care about your kids, and you do, but just show them, right? Like prove that you know what they're up to and what they're doing, and and they'll feel that as you ask those questions. Number four is create meaningful traditions. And we've touched on this a little bit on episode five and six, where we've talked about family activities and habits for a closer family. But some things that you could do are like date nights with uh, an individual child. We do birthday dates where Alan takes out the girls and I take out the boys on a date before their birthday. There's lots of holiday traditions that you can do that are important and meaningful that your kids are going to remember. The fifth one is be affectionate. Um, Little things can go a long way here. Kisses on the cheek, big bear hugs, you know. Know your kids' love languages. For us, our kids 
at least three of them are physical touch. They just, I mean, they just have so much passion and it all comes out in, in physical touch. And if you don't use it the right way, it's wrestling and hitting and punching and pinching and all those things. But if you hug them and you squeeze them and all that, um, it turns all of that desire for physical touch in a positive direction. But know your kid. I think Alan is more natural at this because his love language is physical touch. He's just more of a physical person. And for me, that doesn't come um, as natural. I just don't want to be touched all the time. And especially with my kids who do, they are constantly touching me, whether they are laying on me or they're snuggled in really deep or the Nathan will come by and pinch my arms. Like I'll just be sitting there and he'll come up and pinch the back of my arms. And they are, you know, they're, they're always touching me and it, that can be frustrating for me sometimes. But I think if you direct it back in, in a loving way and I have to really make it a conscious effort to like, when I walk by them to maybe just kind of squeeze their shoulder or, you know, give them a little side hug every once in a while or, or with Nathan, he really needs those big squeezes. So sometimes I'll just wrap him up and give him a big squeeze, you know, cause I know that he needs that, but I have to think about doing that and remind myself that that's what I need to do for my kids. I used to feel bad about all the pinching and poking and all of that that I did when Alexis and I first got married, but now I feel good. I was breaking her in. We probably wouldn't have kids anymore if I hadn't broken her in. I had no idea <laughs> the level that my children would take that physical <laughs> touching to. Yes. The constant jumping and punching. and It can be stressful for someone who doesn't always appreciate that. <laughs> I've been learning to rein it in for years. So. Alan is much better. Way, toned it way down from when we first got married. But now the kids have upped it a lot. <laughs> very proud of myself step six is love what they love you've got to love that newest collection of shopkins or what their art is about or their stories or the books that you have to read with them or whatever it is um make sure that what's important to them is important to you listen with enthusiasm as they explain their you know lego castle or whatever their their hobby is really make sure that you think what they're doing is cool. I think kids want to be validated by everyone, but especially their parents who they, you know, look to for like unconditional validation. So while we were preparing this, um, I thought we could think about, you know, what made us special when we were a kid. And also we asked our own kids what makes them feel special. And so uh, starting with Cami, I asked her, what made her feel special? And she said the mommy and me time and the daddy and me time. She loves that. She, she loves, yeah, so that she loves that one-on-one time. Um, when I asked Chloe, she said she loves when we help her fix things, um, or just kind of helping her. So sometimes she has toys that break or things that rip. And, um, when I fix them, I think that really shows that I care about her stuff and I care about what she cares about. So one for me, I really think the time I felt the most love for my parents was snuggles is what we call them, our bedtime routine. One of my parents would always come down to my brother and I's bedroom and they'd sit on our bed and rub our backs and sing us songs and I loved that. For me, one of the things that made me feel special as a kid was birthday parties Birthdays were really a big deal in my family. They still are. Like, we make a big deal out of birthdays. And so 
I always felt special on my birthday, especially when I would have a party. My parents would go all out. Like, I remember one year my dad made a huge life-size princess castle out of all these cardboard boxes, like refrigerator-sized cardboard boxes. He worked at Best Buy, so he collected them and built this castle, and we did a treasure hunt and all this stuff. And it was, it was just really fun, and I had a couple of parties like that where my parents really went all out. You know, and so that was fun. And, and that's their thing. Like, they're party people. Like, they love planning parties. And so I'm not saying that, you know, everybody needs to go out and do big parties for their kids. Like, if that's your thing, if you love that, then do it for your kids. Because I remember that and I appreciate that they put in that effort. Some other things that I thought of, too, is um, just telling your kids that you love them. Um, this is something that we, tr- we make sure that we do a lot and, um, we're always telling our kids that they love them. And, um, we also spend time reading to them, especially some of our kids love when we read to them and that's good quality time for them. I think just pick something and make it your family's thing. You know, like the birthday parties for my family, like parties are our, our thing. Like find something that's your family's thing and, and do that, you know? Yeah. In the Tanner family, we are really proud of our schnarning. Which is a weird made up Tanner word, schnarning. It means to talk together and eat food. <laughs> so we love to do that. We love to, you know, pop popcorn or make treats and and then just talk together. And sometimes we're playing games and sometimes we're not. But there's always food and so it's really casual and low key and and personal and fun. You know, have have your thing. Have something that you love to do as a family, whether that's road trips or camping. Whatever that is, have your thing that, so they have an identity. So you have a, a brand as a family. Ooh, very nice. Personal brand. Family brand. Family brand. It's huge. So to wrap up, um, the six tips were make eye contact. And really the key is like be in the present when you're with your kids. Spend some uninterrupted time. We you know this thing we're listening to recommends two 10-minute chunks with each kid each day which is a lot. So if you can't do that, just at least get one in with each kid each day. Ask caring questions. Create meaningful traditions. Be affectionate and love what they love. Show them that you care about what they care about. And the key is just help them feel special. Help each kid feel like they're needed, that they have an important place in your family. And we've really found that as you do that, your behavior problems go way down. So a lot of times you think, man, my kids are crazy. And sometimes kind of on us you know we're not we're not giving them those things that they need to feel uh, needed and satisfied so if you can fix that a lot of the behavior issues go away so our social media question for this week is what made you feel special as a kid you know what did your parents do for you or what was your family's thing that that made you feel special as always you can follow us on instagram at p-i-r-l podcast or learn as we go and you can tweet us. I'm at AlexisTanner1. I'm at Alan T. Tanner. Or email us at parentinginreallifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash P-I-R-L. Where there's a link in our Instagram profile. And that's a place where you can support and subscribe to get bonus content and uh, help us keep this podcast going. And always subscribe. Hopefully you're already doing that. Give us a rating. And as always, a special thanks for our four kids for being kids.